You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Show, episode 192. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. Well, we made it through another year and off to our bold predictions for 2023. Bold predictions on AI, gold, the housing market, bull markets, inflation, M&A activity, and Brennan's love life. We've got it all for you packed into this show. We're going to also look at our predictions from 2022, which came true, which we were completely misguided on. Let's get right into that show today. I'm going to welcome my Aaron Dunn and my co-hosts, Brennan and Brett, the Killer Bees. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Happy holidays. Nice to see you guys again. Happy holidays. Yeah, it was good. Did you guys have a good holiday period? I sure did. Yeah, it was great. Time of your life, Brennan? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Like I was kind of telling you guys before, but my uh, uncle ended up getting a bunch of tape from the 70s of my dad and my uncle and my auntie when they were kids. And I watched about two hours of uh, video. There was no sound, but, uh, you know, just seeing mm-hmm. my dad as a kid. So one hour cool. and, and 45 minutes. I think he was between, it started out as about 13 to 14 up until yeah. he was 19. Um, so it was cool. You know, I got to see him figure skate in Great Falls, Montana. Maybe I'll send an a hour clip and 45 of that to, minutes uh, of figure skating. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, right? uh, yeah. <laughs> it was my grandma and grandpa. And, you know, it was awesome seeing them uh, young. And, uh, you know, having a great time. What, they're not young now? Your, uh, your, mo- your dad isn't young now? Well, he is. He is relatively young, I guess I could say. I don't know if he could do the same, uh, the, the double. Compared to me and Aaron, he's, we think of him as young, right? I don't Maybe know if he Aaron? could still do the, the double sow cows and the, uh, the, the double toes or, you know, whatever he's. Uh, well, there's only one way to find out. Throw some <laughs> skates back on, on the Put him out uh, on the ice. Well, Make when sure he was you 50, film it, though. When he was 50, mm-hmm. he tried doing it in our backyard on the, the, oh, the rink that he made for me uh, for to play hockey, and uh, mm-hmm. it didn't end very well. Your dad <laughs> made you a custom rink for hockey? Just like, you know, a little little ice right. pad or few oh, that's ice. nice. That's nice. Yeah. And yet you never, in, never learned I never, to skate. I mean, I, I was a good skater, but, you know, I've got bricks for hands, though. So, you know, I never made it to the show. That's, That's why, why you never made it to the NHL. Yeah, so close, right? Show. So close. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. Yep. Uh, okay. Do you want you want to start and look back at um, last year's predictions and how we did? And uh, you know, apparently, I just completely trounced everybody. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I'll, I'll, let's look at my predictions first. Um, yeah. There was the first prediction was SPACs or uh, special purpose acquisition companies uh, will broadly continue to underperform in 2022. 
Uh, I, we could say this one was correct. Uh, SPAC company returns were truly awful in what was a bad year for the markets overall. And st- some of the SPACs that are still in their uh, original form with no transaction, there's about 80 of them. They're looking to basically have their shareholders looking to have the cash just returned to them, uh, as I understand. So a terrible year for the SPAC sector. So we'll put a check mark in the positive there. Any comments on SPACs? I just like saying SPACs a lot. So yeah, I mean, can... SPACs in most cases, I mean, it's a structure. It's not an industry or even a theme, but oh. it was almost seen by investors as a theme. And I think that SPACs, you know, they really overall, they're at the they're at the high end of the speculative risk. Yeah, I think it was a symbol spectrum, for like the access. Yeah, and it's just any time you have like a lot of attention and money go into that end of the risk spectrum, you know, it's an indication that the market's probably getting frothy, and typically those are the types of companies that are going to perform the worst when, when things reverse and the market performs poorly. That's what we saw. Yeah, yeah, and they were, like I said, kind of a proxy for the excess that we saw in the market um, over, you know, twenty twenty two, really after the pandemic, and uh, money was so easy to be raised, and when you can't see, you know, when that kind of gets pulled out, the rug gets pulled out from under you. Uh, There'll be far less facts, I would say, uh, over the course of this year. That's not one of my predictions. We'll get into those in a sec. But the second prediction was inflation will be huge market focus in 2022. Um, uh, that was the case. I should have stopped there. But I went on and particularly said in the first half of the year, we have already heard, I said, the Federal Reserve talk of potentially moving faster in terms of rate kites. It would be difficult to move rates too far, I said, too fast without derailing the economy. So there'll be more talk than actual meaningful rate hikes. Well, inflation has definitely been a huge issue in 2022. There have been actual rate hikes, not just talk. So the general theme was correct, but the rate hikes were understated in my statement there. So I'm giving I would call that. I call that a loss. And Ryan, I'm giving myself at least a half point. Yeah, I I gave him a half point for that. Thank you. Thank you. Quarter point max. So, (laughs) number three, you guys got any comments on that? I mean, we're going to talk inflation and everything with our. No, I mean, I I think that. Yeah, I think um, we can talk of inflation a little later. So, certainly that was that's been the big talk of the year is inflation. Um, Rate hikes were probably more aggressive than what most people were expecting. Yeah, historically, it was actually... And yet the economy has not been derailed yet. Yeah. But it takes six to nine months for rate hikes. Yeah, to there's a lag. Right? There their is, way through, there's going right? to be a lag. Yeah. yeah, but historically, that, that was actually one of the most aggressive rate hikes we've ever seen for the rate mm-hmm. they rose. So mm-hmm. I'll put up a graph, which I'll have to find. But uh, compared to recent history, so like post-World War II, this was the most aggressive. Mm-hmm. So Ryan was maybe only a quarter point right there. Yeah, so 100%. I think we can all agree extremely wrong. Extremely correct. So COVID, number three would be COVID will not end in the foreseeable future, but new variants will become less potent or dangerous. And that coupled with high vaccination rates and advancements will make it more manageable through 2022. And we will have a semi-normal Christmas this year. So next year, which meant the Christmas we just had. So I mean, I think on this one, COVID is minimal, normal Christmas, aside from the 30 feet of snow we had in Vancouver. So, you know, I, I, you guys tell me, is that prediction correct? 
I'll give you a point seven five. All right. I'll give me a. Yeah, you said. You said. You what did you? What was the statement about Christmas? It'll be semi-normal. Yeah, it wasn't It'd semi-normal. Normal. It was. It'll be it normal. normal. I, it's it's normal Christmas. But you well, said I don't know if it was semi-normal <laughs> with thirty feet of snow, is what I'm saying. So I think I was correct. You just don't like a white Christmas, do you? <laughs> Uh, it was an, it was an ice Christmas here. It was an ice yeah. Christmas. That yeah. was the issue, right? All right, I'll give white, Ryan the point on great. that. We're just we're okay. just talking semantics here. Number number four, uh, removal of stimulus from world central banks and governments will impede growth, and the markets will face periods of significant volatility in 2022. Correction pe- periods that will lead to value opportunities long term. I think it's correct on a, on a general perspective so uh, so that's uh about 150 percent that i gathered <laughs> last year mm-hmm. yes thank you. what's the percentage on that there uh what did we give them we gave them 150 what, that's two and a half out of three is that it, it'd be like three and th- a half it depends how much you're arguing for the rate hikes it's either three and a quarter out of four or three and a half out oh. of four so what, whatever you want to call that <laughs> Yeah, I give them. I give them the because it was three predictions, right? I give you two full points. There, there's four. Said, no, there's four. There, oh, was there was four. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Spock. So you, you got. So three there's, full but there's also the prediction a, a on Brennan's point. girlfriend. Oh, okay. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Which was that I'd get one, right? Brennan will state mm-hmm. that he has a girlfriend only uh, for it to end up being a figment of his imagination. I think was the prediction, basically. So I did I momentarily have points. a girlfriend, but uh, <laughs> that's, she that's why I was getting to 150 it. points somehow out of. And, and then you took your pills, and she disappeared, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, yeah. poof, she did, was gone. Did she meet your family? No, no. 150. <laughs> <laughs> did she meet your friends? Some of them. Yep. Did you introduce her as your girlfriend? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did she, she actually and immediately dump you after that? Uh, a few days. <laughs> Just kidding. It wasn't a few days. Was she actually breathing days. at any point? <laughs> yes. yes. All right. I don't know. I give Brennan, I say he, he did. Yeah. I mean, assuming uh, it wasn't a few days later that she dumped you. I'd say <laughs> if Brennan's being honest with himself. It was a few months later. He was dead on. Dead on. Yeah. Partially on. Partially on. We, we'll give him a 0.75. The know. operative word being dead. <laughs> I, I don't think a cadaver counts, but all right, let's just, let's oh, just go. All right. So let's, what do we do? Do we go now into your predictions for this year? And then we... No, no. I, I mean, let's... Can... I think we'll go to yours. We'll review yours. Okay. Okay. So let's review Prediction mine. one from Aaron. The COVID pandemic will peak in the first quarter of 2022. We will return to some semblance of normalcy by the end of the year. I'd so definitely we return to normalcy. I don't know if it peaked in the first quarter, though. I think it peaked more in the second quarter, didn't it? I don't know. Did it? I mean, it I thought close. it was, wasn't yeah, it the Omicron I can't even remember the first now. three months? Wasn't Omicron the first three months? Yeah, like that's, yeah. I, I think it might depend on the exact I think region, it's right. too. So okay, yeah. well, give yeah, me a point. It's, it's I, right I, enough. I can't remember exactly if it was the mm-hmm. first or the second quarter, but generous, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so that now, gives me a full point. Number two, cost push inflation will continue to be a major factor in the economy through 2022. Yeah, I mean, it did. I mean, I think that... Um, what about that, cost pull inflation? I'm just, uh, let's just, I think this that, just doesn't... You got push there. It's good. Yeah, so, so when you're talking cost push inflation, that means higher costs make it more expensive for companies to operate, produce products. They have to pass those prices on to consumers. So you're yeah. thinking like energy... 
um, higher cost of energy makes it um, uh, more expensive to produce and to transport um, items. Um, there's also labor costs. I think you'd add later labor costs in that, um, increasing the cost of, pro- of products and services. So definitely that has been the case throughout the year. Yeah, and I can give some examples. Like companies that were able to implement pricing increases actually experienced uh, quite a good 2023. Uh, like Hammond Power, for example, which was able to uh, do four price increases the year before, so get ahead of it. And a couple over the course of this year had an absolute uh, blowout year, and the stock was up, you know, over a hundred percent on the year. Um, yeah. On, on the flip side, there was a number of companies that. In the automotive sector, for example, when you have longer sales cycles, um, it's harder to begin, to, you know, you have a contract in place. You can't just immediately typically pass on that, like a company like Exco Technologies, which is expected to likely have better earnings this year, wasn't able to pass those cost uh, inflation cost uh, on to its customers, essentially, because they have longer term contracts in place that they're operating under for multiple, multiple quarters. So. You could see those start to come in place over the course of this year. Uh, there's also many challenges in the automotive sector overall. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a, a tale of companies that were able to pass it on, that were able not to pass it on. And something we'll be watching this year is how sticky those price increases can be. Will, will customers now be asking for a pullback? Will you continue to stay at those prices going forward? It is a unique environment. you got to continue to monitor all of these things. Certainly. Um, just to kind of clarify, Ron had mentioned as a joke, um, cost pull inflation. There is also another type of inflation referred to as demand pull inflation. So what that means is just the demand for products is so high that it, it results in price increases. And this is what we saw during the pandemic when people were shut in. There are certain products and services Toilet that paper. where the demand just accelerated um, and that increased, that began to increase prices. But then that shifted more to a, a, a cost push inflation so yeah there was definitely i mean there was items that were i mean hoarded too right and many of them are in ryan's basement and storage shed right now yeah it's true i have lots of he still has about uh although we we use this toilet paper and paper towels and kleenex in there yeah Gotta get a Brennan's been using a lot of Kleenex this year because of his dating life. <laughs> All right, let's get on to Brennan's debate loss. This is Aaron's prediction. Brennan's debate loss right will decline to below 75% in 2022. So his correct. debate loss rate will decline. Yep. And his loss rate, rate was 50%, which means his win, win rate was also 50%. That's how it works. Which is a huge improvement from the year before where I think he lost every battle. <laughs> or the years yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the years yes. before, I'd say. Well, yeah. I attribute well the success to my own mentorship from Brandon over that period <laughs> of time. Thank you. Yes, thank you for the knowledge. Or of some kind of random act of kindness that yeah. allowed him to win something. Yeah. So I, I think that was your three predictions, right? That was three? it, yeah. All right. Three. So zero for three. That's okay. That's okay. We'll get them next year. I think that's a, what, 100%? You want to do the math there, bro? Well, I, you get 100. I got 150. We're good. <laughs> I thought you got closer to 50 than 150. Yeah. Can so I just Brennan's prediction. Can I just rifle through mine here? And go sure. Through you want to rifle? Yeah. So I think that I was correct on about two and a half 
out of six. So my Take first over one, the show, Brennan, by all thank means. you. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, so my first one, I said that I believe that gold will perform well in 2022 because of its safe haven properties. So I think that this is correct. Now, Brett and I had a bit of a debate on whether I was right here, but I would like to argue that technically I was right because if we look at gold's performance in comparison to the S&P 500 and the TSX, which are down 21% and 9% respectively, while gold is down only about a half of a percent, relatively speaking, I believe that gold has performed well in 2022. So on I don't know. The, the, those one-year TGOs get better. <laughs> I, I guess... We we should probably define well, like, well, mm-hmm. what's, what's like, what, what was the performance of gold? Uh, Zero. It was, like it was flat. effectively flat year over year. Flat. Nah, you can't say it performed <laughs> yeah. well. I give you a half point for that max. Like it's not even a positive, even if it went up like 5%, right? Like how did it perform relative to energy? <laughs> well, yeah, it is cherry picking an asset, but we would have had. I think we need to def- we need to define what was well. And, and, and that's if we the went thing. well With- in relative terms, but if you just mean perform well, it probably just give him the point, Danny. No, no, no. It doesn't matter anyways. Let's see. Anyways, oh, now it doesn't I, matter. It, it does. I mean, let's it really see how wrong matter. he is. Let's see how wrong he is in other areas, and then we'll, we'll be charity. This we'll one's funny. This point. one's right. funny. We'll, yeah, we'll you might compromise. Wanna. We'll give you points. The next one hurts. Don't worry. Yeah. The, okay. The here's one. here's my here's my answer <laughs> question to you on that. When you made the prediction, were you thinking in absolute or relative terms? Absolute. I, I will say. I don't that. remember. Absolute. He says. I, I really don't remember, but it was probably absolute. But like this year, when you look at my predictions, I'm you know much more. Uh, you know, specific. I really define. Yeah, I'm, I sp- I, yeah, I'm specific with you know what I mean. That's not good protocol. That, that's probably a forecast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. You want to be okay. as vague as possible. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what I actually so, meant, okay. Let's let's let Brennan. Let's. Yeah. Let's... So my next one is small cap stocks will perform better in 2022 than they did in 2021. Well. <laughs> the Russell was down 23%. So the next yeah, one that I no. had. Um, He's just moving on from that one. Well, it's because I was so wrong. Go, I mean, yeah, it's as, three, it's as simple as three. that. Now, number, number three. three, I said that this one was a flyer, but I said that Rio Tinto would announce a new discovery uh, and plan to advance a diamond mine in Saskatchewan during 2022. See, that's very specific. Oh, <laughs> this is very specific. This was and so wrong. wrong. Uh, essentially Rio Tinto placed the project on care and maintenance and also advised that it intended to conduct a near term review of its alternatives regarding the project, including its potential exit. So I just want to say here, this is a cautionary tale of investing in junior exploration companies and is why Keystone chooses to avoid these speculative stocks. I have followed this uh, Saskatchewan Diamond Project. Brandon not to buy the company. Yes. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I've followed this SAS Diamond Project since I was a teenager and it was the first mm-hmm. stock that I've ever purchased. It's, so since know, last why? year? No, since I was, you know, maybe 14 or 15. <laughs> also the last because Brandon put 100% kidding. of his portfolio in. <laughs> but in hindsight, I wish that I would have been holding, you know, a cash flow producing business all, over all of those yeah. years rather so than So how did uh, that company capital. perform? Um, down 60%. Star oh, Diamond Corp. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, uh, good. I would have that's expected it to be even more. I thought you were going to say like 95% or something. No, no. Uh, are you still miners. with it? Do you still believe in the story? I sold a lot of it and I am now transferring most of that capital into... Into my new widget? Into business? Keystone's recommendations. Uh, you know, we've got a few here that I'm definitely going to be buying uh, in the new year. Smart, uh, when man. I can move that 
capital from the TFSA into my other TFSA. So yeah. Um, okay. Now, I was wrong there. My next one, the semiconductor chip shortage will continue to be an issue throughout 2022 and even potentially into 2023. I think I get a half point here. You know, I think yeah. the chip shortages turned into kind of a surplus in some industries mid-year. And like even, you know, by late June 2022, uh, Micron came out and said that it would reduce production, uh, which even caught them by surprise. So I think, you know, very weak results from Micron in the last quarter, really weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this one kind of goes with what you guys were saying, the the COVID, uh, you know, I was going to double down on my prediction from 2021 and say that the pandemic's end will be in sight by December of 2022. I think this is correct. And my last one that I said that I was going to win the basketball draft that I was in, taking home the glory and $450 in cash. I was wrong. I went undefeated all year, but lost first round of playoffs. Yeah. So when the pressure hit, you folded like a cheap suit. <laughs> yeah, in exactly. <laughs> Sounds exactly. like somebody else, Ryan, used to follow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyways, we won't go. I know who you're talking um, about. So <laughs> two for six, maybe. I don't know. If I give myself a half point on the gold one, you know, two for six. Yeah, I'll but... give you a half on that. Uh, I'll give you 0.75 on it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so, so what? What a good predictor would say would say I made two correct predictions last year, and then not <laughs> mention the other ones. So that's yeah. what you should just do. Two great yeah. predictions. So half his correct predictions were the same as your guys's. Relative to, <laughs> relative to most, relative to most forecasters, Brennan's performance was actually incredibly strong. Stellar, stellar. To be honest, thank you. They just don't yeah. talk about uh, about their losses. It's yeah. true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. I'm glad we went through those. We saw how we did last year. We're going to get into our predictions. But before that, I've got a little uh, piece to share about predictions generally. Like, you know, Aaron's kind of uh, foreshadowing this right now. Um, I'm decided to start our prediction show or our forecasting special show with a piece on why forecasting is absolute folly. Undoubtedly submarining the entire episode, but from my perspective, the following needs to be heard by serious investors. I will start with a few quotes. Okay, the first quote here is, there are two kinds of forecasters, those who, uh, those who don't know and those who don't know they don't know. And that is from John Kenneth Galbraith. Macro forecasts, again, the second or the second not prediction here, but uh, quote is forecasts create the mirage that the future is knowable. That is from financial historian Peter L. Bernstein. And I think this is my favorite. We'll build off this in a moment. But investors rely on historic references and the forecasts they foster because they would fear that without them, they would be flying blind. But that does not make them reliable. And that's from Howard Marks. For me, investors would be most often more comforted with the advice from an idiot than the cold truth from an intelligent investor that the macro macro future is indeed very, very difficult to predict. Now, just for a start, if you don't know who Howard Marks is, he is the co-founder and co-chairman of Oak Tree Capital Management, the largest investor in distressed securities worldwide. He holds a net worth of, right now of $2.2 billion. Now, his last point is the crux of the argument. Just because investors rely on forecasts, that does not make them reliable. And reliability is key. If they are not reliable, they are useless and in many cases, harmful to your portfolio. So 
let's continue on this folly of macro forecasting. Now, when considering the reasonableness of forecast, Marx believes we should decide whether our world is one of order or one of randomness. In a recent memo, he states that, and I will paraphrase him, him here, uh, is the world entirely predictable, entirely unpredictable, or somewhere in between? Uh, for me and him, it is likely in between, but unpredictable enough to make most forecasts unhelpful. Since our world is predictable at some times and unpredictable at other times, what good are forecasts and investments based on them if we cannot tell which is which? Now, let's continue on this. I like to use examples. So does Marx, and this is one from him. Uh, example number one would be in the fall of 2016, there were two massive consensus, consensus macro forecasts. Number one, Hillary Clinton would win the U.S. election. And if somehow she lost number two and Trump was elected, the markets would tank. So what actually happened? Well, of course, Trump won and the markets soared. Basing your investment decisions on these macro forecasts would have cost you money. Now, Mark's conclusion on macro forecasting essentially is, and I grow, agree wholeheartedly with this, at first, this might sound counter to the argument that we're making here, but it will make sense in the end, so give it some time. Number one, most forecasts consist of extrapolation of past performance. Because macro developments usually don't diverge from prior trends, extrapolation is usually successful. Thus, most forecasts are correct. But wait, I said that forecasts are folly. Here's where it will all come together. Now, but since extrapolation is usually anticipated by security or stock prices, those who follow expectations based on extrapolation don't usually enjoy profits when it holds. Now, once in a while, the behavior of the economy does deviate material from past patterns. Since this deviation comes as a surprise to most investors, its occurrence moves markets, meaning an accurate prediction of a, the deviation would be highly profitable. However, since the economy does not diverge from the past performance very often, correct forecasts of deviations are rarely made, and forecasts of deviations turn out to be incorrect. Thus, we have two scenarios. Extrapolation forecasts would be number one, most of which are correct but unprofitable. Number two would be potential profitable forecasts of deviation which are rarely correct and thus generally unprofitable. The conclusion here is most forecasts don't add to returns, though they can be very entertaining. And that's what we're trying to do here today. While one should not ignore the macro environment, it is folly to try to base your investment decisions on macro forecasts, which require far too many inputs for even the best forecasters, forecasters sorry, to consistently get right. Finally, I'm going to give a final example here. Example number two, I think this hits home for where we are in the current markets. Uh, in the S&P uh, 500 had fallen on March, by March 9th, sorry, 2009, uh, the macro forecasts at this time were terrible. At that time, the, the S&P 500 had fallen 57% since the bear crash began in 2007, and pessimism reigned supreme. But what happened on that day? The stock market turned around and suddenly embarked on the longest bull run in history. By 2013, 
the S&P 500 had gained back all the losses of the Great Recession. If you listen to macro forecasts, you would have been nowhere near the stock market at some of the best times to invest in decades. Now, we'll look here again at the folly of macro forecasting. To me, the stock market is an early warning indicator. It starts declining, and it started declining in this case in mid-November 2021, long before the recession hit. On the flip side, the markets typically bottom long before it ends. What you should do is find stocks you want to buy today and start buying with a long-term plan. The problem is most people buy stocks the wrong way, curiously behaving differently to price increases or decreases than if they were purchasing almost anything else. For example, if steak were 30% off at the supermarket, you'd buy it. Stocks drop 30% in price and many panic and sell. The opposite is also true. The price of steak jumps 30%. You substitute, you buy chicken or just buy less steak. But in the stock market, stocks go up in price 30%. Many buy for fear of missing out. Historically, we know these are terrible strategies. When great cash producing stocks come on sale, it is a great time to buy. So what can you do? Focus on what you can control. Number one, you can control the composition of your portfolio. Essentially, how many stocks to own and over what period of time to build it. Number two, you can control what you put in your portfolio. And this is the most important part, the types of stocks you want to own. Great cash-producing businesses that trade at reasonable valuations with growth paths ahead of them. Dividend growth and just growth stocks. That's what we recommend in our client portfolios. We'll continue to do that in 2023. Now we're going to go on to making a bunch of useless predictions. We are. After saying that, of course. We're going to make some great predictions here. Who wants to start? Who wants to start? I'll okay. start. Oh, sure. me? Okay, nope. sure. <laughs> We're all jumping at the gun. Aaron's going to start. Okay, so my predictions are related to a forecast that I made actually uh, about a month ago on the on the podcast. So essentially, we were looking at inflation rates. And I made a, a, an inflation forecast for 2023 about six weeks ago or so. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate that forecast here. So prediction number one is inflation continues to decline through the first half of 2023. Now, when people look at the inflation number, typically what is put up front and center is the year over year inflation figure, which is still stubbornly high at 6.8% year over year, well above the 2% target that the uh, Bank of Canada sets. Um, and I believe the Fed sets the same target in the US. But really what's more important in terms of um, trying to analyze the trend of inflation or where it's gonna be in six months from now is to look at the month over month figures. So inflation in Canada peaked in uh, June at about 8.1%. Um, since then in the, in the late summer, in the early fall, it's come down, now down about 6.8%. Now, I had made a prediction, um, given that the month-over-month -month figures had declined significantly, um, basically starting in July, that we would that we would hit, um, you know, the two percent target to get close to the two percent in target inflation rate uh, around May of next year, around May of 2023. Now, um, my my prediction was somewhat derailed because I was assuming 0.1 percent on average monthly inflation. Um, basically extrapolated out to May of next year. Now, this prediction 
was made when we only had the September number. Then the October number came out. That kind of blew me out of the water because there is surprisingly high inflation, 0.7% for the month. Um, most of that was gasoline, though, was gas. Um, but then we go into November. We have the November figures right now, and it, it dropped back down to the 0.1 per month. So I'm going to keep this. This I'm going to extrapolate this out, update the numbers. And what we see from a graph, if we extrapolate the 0.1% on average monthly inflation rate, is that um, we're going to get actually higher inflation in January, about 7%. But then it's going to stop dropping pretty quick, start dropping pretty quickly. And we're going to get down to about the 2% inflation rate in May of next year. And one of the things that's going to be driving this is that inflation really started to ramp up uh, in January of 2022. And then it um, it stayed strong until about about June. Um, so the the year over year numbers that we're getting right now, that six point eight percent inflation, you're now comparing, you know, you're comparing us to what was uh, lower inflation rate um, in in twenty twenty one. But once we get into twenty twenty three, we're going to be comparing the monthly figures to those elevated rates that we got in twenty twenty two. So um, once again, now is this a good forecast? No, it's a horrible forecast, just, you know, extrapolating the 0.1% out. But I just wanted to do it to kind of show people how things can trend if um, if inflation numbers, you know, stay at this level. And it does seem that things are slowing down. There's, you know, some of the some of the heat is being taken out of the labor market. Um, you know, the real estate markets come down, commodity prices, um, you know, energy prices have, have more or less stabilized. So there are good arguments to make that at some point in 2023, we're going to get back down to an area that's more normalized. But again, this is a horrible forecast. Don't rely on it in any way, shape, or form. So prediction number two, and this is linked with the inflation, is that central bankers will begin to um, announce interest rate reductions in 2023. I'm guessing around the second half, we get through the first half, um, you know, a lot of those rate increases that have already happened are going to start taking their toll on the economy. Um, people, the central bankers are going to see signs that the economy is slowing down. You know, I think we probably will go into a recession in 2023, but really that doesn't really tell you much. It could be a, a deep and long recession. It could be a short and shallow recession. So, um, but I think that once there's signs that these, these, this agri these aggressive interest rate hikes have started to work and they started to slow down the economy, um, we're going to very quickly after that see them um, slowly bring rates down. So I'm looking second half of 2023, at least one interest rate decrease from central bankers in Canada and the US. I'm guessing in the US, it's going to come a little bit later than in Canada. Um, and then prediction number three is that stock markets will enter another bull market in 2023. And I'm guessing this is going to start somewhere in the first half of the year, or it's going to be clear in the first half of the year. And this, again, this is linked to the inflation. This is linked to... Um, to my forecast about interest rates. You know, I don't think that the markets are going to start to recover once it's clear that we're out of the woods with the high inflation. I think the markets are going to, even if we get it, go into recession, you know, at some point in, um, in 2023, I think that the markets are going to be looking at least two to three or four quarters forward. Once there's a light at the end of the tunnel, once um, it seems to be clear that we, we have inflation under control um, and that there's, there's, the prospect of interest rates starting to go down again and, and, and central bankers starting to stimulate the economy again, I think the market is going to react well in advance of that, just in anticipation. So I'm looking for uh, a bull market in 2023 sometime to begin 
in the first half of the year. Once again, this is these are horrible forecasts. Don't rely on them in any way, shape, or form. It's just for fun. It's just for information. It really doesn't affect our investment thesis either way, um, which is just to focus on great companies that you want to own, not for a couple of quarters, but for five, 10 years and beyond. And those that does my predictions for 2023. Excellent. It's going to be really difficult to confirm whether number three uh, actually is by the end of the year, a bull market, because, you know, it could start in, you know, we could have 10% up from May, for example. But uh, if the start of 2024 goes 10% down over the first, you know, it'll be hard to quantify that as a bull market. I disagree. I think it will be easy to quantify it. God, you just have to look at a price trend. Impossible. Like if at some point, literally impossible. If at some point markets start trending upwards in the first half of the year, but can and we call the it trend remains more or less in? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you, we could discuss the definition of a bull market. But if if that that trend is more or less intact by the end of the year, I mean, it's not going to be in a straight line. Obviously, there's going to be you know there's going to be peaks and troughs along the way. But if you start to see a trend, um. At the beginning, sometime in the first half, it continues to the end of the year. I would, I call that a bull market. Ryan's already like setting it up to like no. argue. You know, it's a half point. It's three <laughs> quarters. Of course, I point. am. No. Of course, I am. Of course. Oh, it's perfect. Okay, well, I can start with another one. I'll start with one, then you guys can comment on it. There'll be some comments there, and then uh, one of the other, the other clowns can do a prediction after this. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say my first prediction: AI or artificial intelligence will be one of the most discussed themes in 2023. The next and best investment ideas are coming here, but investors beware of the pretenders in this segment. So AI or artificial intelligence will be one of the more discussed themes as more use cases are imagined and essentially flushed out and realized. AI has been brought into focus by our, um, by chatbots, essentially chat GPT, showing off thousands of AI uses, including text, image, audio and video, digital media generation and analysis and more, and will create many, many investment opportunities, some real, but as I also predict, this will be developed into another area that TSX venture charlatans will seize to raise capital over the next several years in ill-conceived shell companies that investors should avoid with extreme prejudice. True AI applications continue to be capital intensive and rely are big data reliant, which, are, which is very expensive. So the average TSX venture company raising, say, tens to even hundreds of millions of dollars is unlikely to be a long-term winner, particularly if they are starting today or trying to acquire tech and rolling it up into a public shell. Some buzzwords we have seen lead to these type of bubbles, raising capital cycles in the past, and then crashes over the past decade include 3D printing stocks, cannabis stocks, the never-ending boom and bust of junior mining stocks, crypto stocks, and so much more. So could it happen again for AI stocks in 2023 and beyond? I think it could. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with that 100%. Whenever there's there's huge legitimacy in a lot of the hype, but whenever there's legitimate hype in a space, it always gets overblown. People always start to overestimate. And that's when all the promoters, the, the speculative, sketchy companies start to yeah. get involved in that area. And then it becomes, for, for most people, it becomes very difficult to separate um, the true opportunities from the scams, right? So um, 
you know, the way that we would separate it is, is just by looking at the fundamentals of the business. I mean, if it's, if it's a company with just an idea, but nothing to back it up in the terms of revenue or profit, yeah. yeah, then, then, you know, it's going to be very difficult for an investor to determine like, is this technology legitimate? How does it compare it to other competitive products out there? Um, but if a company is actually producing revenue, um, from their, from their, and ideally profitability as well from this technology, then that's a good indication that the experts in that field, likely the businesses that they're selling the technology to, um, accept it and are willing to pay, take money out of their pocket. So that is the best way for somebody who doesn't understand the technology completely to assess whether or not a company is legitimate or not. If there's no revenue, just assume that it's not legitimate until revenue comes. They should be able to produce revenue if they have a great technology. It's possible you will miss a couple of opportunities, but um, you know you will you will also miss a lot of major speculations and scams. And there are great opportunities out there that are producing revenue and producing cash flow. So we have some ideas in the space, um, best ways to invest in things like ChatGPT or this coming AI transformation. Um, and it doesn't involve just looking at highly speculative companies. Anybody who's interested, they can uh, they can reach out to us as well about some of those names. So how yeah, do we quantify sure. if you're right or wrong on this one? Um, well, we, we see if yeah, if the, the theme of the year, if everybody's talking about Fair enough. AI. If there's a lot if of headlines. If nobody's talking about AI, if there's no... No companies that are listed as AI related companies. If you don't see a bunch of buzzwords, I can, I mean, I'm not going to guarantee on a prediction, but I, I'm sure by midway, our CDR sweep through this year, there's going to be a lot of TSX venture companies that say, you know, XYZ mining that used to be XYZ mining is now AI. I've already seen a lot. Yeah. Company. Yeah, so we're going off how many companies change their name to something to do with AI. <laughs> Is that yes, our metric? Exactly. Okay. I mean, even That's on our it. chat sessions, you know, clients Very have been asking about chat GPT and whatnot. So, you know, mm-hmm. we are already seeing it, you know, start to take place where it is in the forefront, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Chat GPT is a natural language processing software, mm-hmm. essentially program mm-hmm. to engage like text-based conversation with people in a natural human-like manner. And yeah. it's owned by OpenAI, is it not? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Great. So who wants to make the next bold prediction? Raise your hand. I can. Brennan. Okay. Yeah. I just want to focus on a couple of these charts right over here. So my first prediction is that airfare pricing is going to become more reasonable in 2023. So over the last 12 months, airfare in the U.S. had an inflation rate of about 36%, as you can see here on this graph. Uh, And essentially, I believe that airfare pricing will begin to normalize in 2023 back to its pre-pandemic levels. Now, of course, fuel is one of the largest input costs for air travel, which has been coming down from highs. But I believe that following the post-COVID spike in demand for air travel experienced in 2022, airlines will begin to adapt to capacity issues, which began with airlines laying off a substantial amount of staff in 2022. For example... Uh, WestJet just released their new strategy earlier this week and said that they're going to take the Calgary-based airline back to its roots in a world emerging from two years of pandemic restrictions and lockdowns, which means, uh, the CEO said, more centralization in Western Canada while looking for ways to make flying more affordable. Now, I mean, whether this new CEO will be able to actually uh, change this and make flying more affordable is a question, but it is a push for progress. 
Now, as well, uh, if you guys have been uh, looking at the news recently, Southwest Airlines in the U.S. is going through its own problems, uh, recently causing it to cancel more than 2,300 flights in a day over the holidays due to winter storms, but most importantly, because of staffing shortages and underinvestment in its operations, such as its technology, which matches crew members with an aircraft where they actually had to do this manually by hand. So... I really think that airlines are waking up to their shortcomings and are working to fix their issues. Um, and this has been pushed to the forefront, uh, you know, with a lot of these headlines and traveling being an absolute nightmare. And to track my prediction, since I'm trying to be specific this year, I will use the St. Louis Fed Consumer Price Index for the average airline fares in U.S. cities, uh, which is this graph right here. So in November, which is the most recent data that we have, the index was at 280.5. So by December of 2023, I believe the index will be lower than this uh, spot. So yeah, that is... Uh, that uh, is first. a specific prediction. Thank it you is a specific that. prediction. And, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll, we'll How see. can we profit from that? It's a good question. I'm yeah, it is a good kidding. question. <laughs> No, I have noticed um, a number of new airlines flying out of uh, YVR, out of Vancouver, JetBlue, Canada Airlines. Uh, so I've seen a few coming up. Porter, I think, is coming out of YVR now. So uh, competition may also lead to lower prices. You would hope. Oh, thanks for backing me up. So, Brett, you want to launch into a prediction? Yeah, yeah I'll go into a couple of mine quite quick. Uh, I had some similar ones there, and we didn't, we didn't plan these before the show. Uh, to see if we had uh, the same or different. So I had a similar prediction on inflation that will be materially lower by the end of the year, but I specifically put the number around 3%. I would say I lean towards the lower side. So between 2 and 3.5% is quite a decent range, but around 3%, I would say, by the end of the year. So you can roast me over once we're at 7% inflation again next year. And then the other one... Well, of course, that's, I've been working under him too much. We've both been working on our uh, Canadian dividend all-star report for next year. And I, I think I've been taking too many notes from him that he, that's the problem. That's a good, and good then my other similar that. prediction with him, I know, great, great segue to that, uh, is the major Canadian and American index will finish up. So I'm going by the end of the year. He said halfway through the year bull market. I differ end of the year. It will be overall up. And I'll even add on to that. I will take Brendan's prediction from last year. Small caps will do better. So small caps will outperform the broader market. So we'll see the Russell 2000, and I'll compare it to, let's say, the S&P 500 will outperform. Yeah. Yeah. So two two similar predictions, but we didn't plan on these before a show. I'm just thinking too much like Aaron these days, apparently. Well, I think that Brett has some spyware on my computer. That's my Oh, well, that's that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's true. He is a tech guru. No, I mean, I think that that it's really tough to pinpoint, you know, where it's going to go, but there are some good signs at least, and I'm optimistic that, you know, it's, it's, it is trending in the right direction and it should continue to do that as we get into next year, as now we're going to be comparing it against those elevated figures that uh, began to be higher in, in the first half of 2022. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I'll make a prediction here. Um, housing prices continue to fall, a significant decline in North American housing prices in 2023. 
So housing has, well, it started to roll over near the end of 2022 in terms of pricing is actually held up well for the year relative to other asset classes. Uh, the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20 City Composite Home Price Index, that's a mouthful, is still up 6.46% in 2022, where stocks, crypto, for example, a number of other commodities have collapsed from their highs on the year. Uh, the rate hikes in 2022, which were late and very aggressive, have a lagging effect as monthly payments reset over the course of 2023 demand for homes lessens and the reality will set in for those on the margins, forcing some sales at some point. I'm not saying it's going to get crazy or anything, but uh, you know, some kind of significant decline, and we can measure it by looking at that S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20 City Composite Index, um, likely in the range of, you know, beyond 20 10%, sorry, is what I'd be looking for. Okay. Can I follow you up there? So, you, so sorry, you, you, you specified, you think that housing prices will be down across North America will be down at least 10%. Well, no, That's that your, index, that index. That index. Okay. 10% though is the figure that you're. So yeah. that's a very I mean, specific, that, that's a significant, quantifiable. That's a significant, oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I just wanted to quantify, but that's a very quantifiable yeah. prediction. Mm-hmm. Planting the seeds. You can tell Ryan's not a forecaster because you know, when you, oh, no. when you're hey, specific, I, it's no, that's a compliment. I didn't though. say exactly 10%. I said no, 10%, 10% or, greater. or greater. Yeah. If it's 9.8, I can right? still get 0.75 points. I would give you, if it's anything over 9.5, I would give you a hundred percent. Look, at that. yeah. that's very generous. I'm very generous. I thank you. Well, it's, it's the Christmas, Christmas season, right? Season, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, we're gonna tape that, play it back, because you know it's gonna be nine point four nine or something. Well, then you get zero percent. So. Yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how that uh, goes over the course of this year. Maybe it'll get more affordable for Brennan. That's what we're. Yeah, all and um, you know that's a nice segue into one of mine. Uh, So my second prediction here is because of elevated interest rates, I believe single family residential housing prices in Saskatoon will decline about 6% to a median price of $380,000. And to track this, uh, I will you be... say 6%? Like you're exactly... What if it's 7? Uh, well, wrong. sorry. I do have like a little squiggly approximate Not sign. So <laughs> approximately 6% to a median price. But if it goes price. down 10, are you wrong? Yes, I'm wrong. Let's let's go like plus or minus, you know, one one percent. Okay, let's do that. So two percent uh, or thanks two percent. So to track this, I will be using the Saskatchewan Realita- Realtors Association Home Price Index, which is currently priced. That exists. Uh, it does exist in, Sask- in Saskatoon too. So the most recent median price. And this was from November data. Is four hundred and three thousand dollars from for a home in Saskatoon. I believe that it's going to come down to about 380 uh, by the end of the year, but we'll see. Um, and your dreams don't count for the record. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, and yeah, right. I mean, Saskatoon's a less volatile market, you know, than a lot of the rest of Canada because you know, not many people want to live here. But because <laughs> um, there's 17 houses. Well, and it also snowed like you know I'm two feet kidding. in the last uh, you know couple of weeks. It almost so. did here too. So. That's true. That it's is crazy. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any more? I've got. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've got one right here. Yep. Now this one's very specific and will be quantifiable. So <laughs> it's 
it's a dicey, dicey prediction then. More companies from our 2023 cash rich profitable stock special report and just general small cap coverage generally will be acquired than in the previous year. Smart money will start buying with the declines. Aggregate M&A will be down uh, as less transactions are completed in down markets, but the smart money will be buying. I'll give you an idea. Last year, every year we do this, we're completing work on it right now, looking at all TSX listed and TSX venture listed companies, pulling out cash rich, small to mid cap companies with have net cash positions and are profitable. So we do a report on this annually, been doing it for about a decade. Uh, last year, approximately 90 companies were pulled out, four were acquired, and two more had their assets purchased uh, for uh, essentially for cash out of the business. Now, the four that were acquired were Freshy, a company that we outlined in a number of reports as a potential takeover target. So there's a prediction that went well. Um, Freshy is a you know food provider, essentially quick service restaurant. Uh, the other company, two co three companies, sorry, Goldspot, Discoveries Corp, uh, Macro Enterprises, which is a company that was recommended and owned by Keystone Clients, management led transaction here. We expect more of these type of management led transactions in 2023. And finally, Vagil Health Solutions. Uh, there was, again, like I said, a couple of publicly listed companies primary had their primary public businesses acquired. They are still trading publicly, but with just the cash on hand, seeking other business opportunities. One of them was StarX International, which we actually talked about in a recent podcast. The other one was Noble Iron Inc. All of these were acquired for significant premiums, so there are uh, opportunities here. Uh, we know. I note that there was so I, these going private transactions. We believe. I believe those will uptick in 2023. Uh, there was just one completed in the small cap segment on December 9th. A going private management buyout of a small cap insurer. The company was called ICPEI Holdings, symbol ICPH. It was bought for cash considerations of $4. That was a 90% premium to its closing price of $210 the day prior. Significant opportunities in this regard may present themselves in 2023, but one will have to position themselves ahead of time in good businesses. And that is what we are looking for in our small cap uh, report that will be cash rich small cap report that will be out this month. I think I could add this another one month, too sorry. that yeah, ended up getting takeover. Um, Apollo Health, uh, that was another company that ended up getting taken Apollo out. Apollo Health, yeah. Primarily, I think it was just for its cash balance that uh, was getting taken out. But, you know, that was a company that we were intrigued by. I know that Ryan wrote a huge report on it. We were about to recommend it, but we didn't. And there was a good reason why. And they ended up getting acquired at, you know, substantially lower than what they were trading at when we wrote the report. But um, anyways, uh, that was uh, another business in there. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. You now, was that in, I was wondering, was that in 2020? It was at the very beginning. Acquired? I believe it was January yeah. of 2020. Yeah, I think that we didn't put them into that report. That's why. They yeah, yes. No, I think. Good point. I'd have to look at the report. Again. Excellent. Now, okay, let's see. Do you have any other predictions? I've just do, got Brennan, one right? more. I've just got, you know, one more real one, actually. Um, <laughs> this year, 
<laughs> I'm saying that gold will perform well in 2023 well relative to other asset classes. You know, this year I'll actually, you know, have a relative performance in relation to the TSX and S&P 500. Uh, so I think that it will perform well due to its safe haven properties. Um, disease and well that. means that it will have a higher relative performance, not equal. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't think really that gold has performed well, say, over the last five years. Has it? Decades. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to take another I think look. over the last I know five. We've, we've, we've visited it several times. Yeah, I mean, don't quote one of the time horizon. But we visited it several times, like through the pandemic, through inflationary <laughs> periods. And given the fact that it's supposed to be, you know, an inflation hedge, it's supposed to be, um, you know, a, a, an asset that you go to in uncertain times. It's it it always seemed to produce dismal performance to me. But you know, I, I haven't I haven't checked in for several months. So. so Aaron's new next new prediction, Brennan's gold prediction, will be wrong. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's also I would agree with that too. <laughs> I think I was pushing yeah. back on you that before you yesterday. Were, yeah, yeah, you for were sure, yeah. guaranteed, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I won't hold anybody to these predictions, but what are you guys' thoughts on will Bitcoin specifically, not crypto, but Bitcoin, mm-hmm. be higher or lower at the end of next year? I think that it will continue to be lower. Um, you know, I just everyone's talking about the crypto winter right now. I just think that sentiment in the space is everything, <laughs> since you can't. You can't value it. You know, how do you value it? I'm sure there's some people that are yelling at their screen at me right now saying, you can value it. Well, I don't think you can. But, you know, sentiment is the key performance indicator, I guess you would say, for Bitcoin. And I think that sentiment in the space is horrible. So I would argue down from where it is right now. I'll take the opposite stance. I'm going to say it's going to go up. We're going to contrarian go, go to the moon. No, but uh, seriously, <laughs> I, I, I do believe it will tend to actually go up. We might see it go lower, but if we're going to go off the macro forecasting, one of the common metrics, which you'll see all the time online is approaching the happening. So how Bitcoin functions is mm-hmm. roughly every four years, um, it will cut its reward. So pretty much think of a miner saying they get one ton of gold every four years, it will go to half a ton, a quarter of a ton, and so on. That's the basic fun, uh, function of Bitcoin, of how it works. There's a lot more complexity to it, but that's the basic of it. And normally when it leads up to that that's happening is what it's called, is the price will start to go up. And the next one is in 2024. Um, it's in May, I believe, roughly. It, it does fluctuate by about a few weeks. It's sometime in the second quarter of 2024. So by the end of 2023, which is what we're looking at, I think it will go up. And as well on Brennan's sentiment tank, if the sentiment is an all-time low, where can it go but up? No, it's, it's a good point. That's why I said You know that FTX yeah. isn't paying its its promoters anymore, right? Right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking for... So um, Freed is going to jail, apparently. Oh, no, so. I'm going with uh, WonderFi. Uh, Kevin O'Leary's no connection to oh, FTX no. there. Right, okay, yeah. okay. Just mm-hmm. want to make sure you get paid for your plug there. Yeah. And just for I reference, no, so well, Aaron, Aaron I, what's I, yours? I, I think that it's gonna, I think it's gonna go down during the year, but I think it's gonna end up within, you know, ten percent of the current price, plus or minus. So I think we're at about sixteen and a half thousand right now. So he's saying like sixteen to, yeah, to what? Fifteen and a half, yeah, US. Fi- I think it'll end up anywhere between like 
2,000 and like 200,000, somewhere in that range. <laughs> so you're, you're not... <laughs> I, I'm going to say like roughly flat. I, I, I'm going to say roughly flat. And, and I, flat I, measured within 10... Plus I, I'd argue even higher price. for Bitcoin flat because you'll, you'll see 10% trades in a week commonly. Sure, so, so even higher, like 15 to 20K. 15 to 20K, I'd say it'd be flat. Okay. For, for a yearly time. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be reasonable to call flat for Bitcoin. Yeah. What do you think, Ryan? So you guys aren't exactly at Kathy Woods' uh, I was just a million per coin by 2023? You're not there? No, or like 2030. 2025. 20, 20, yeah, 2030. Any predictions to 2023 should just be absolutely thrown off. Did she actually anyway. say that? Yeah, she oh, says yeah. Bitcoin. I, I think it was 2025 initially. Was, then the oh, she yeah, moved but now it's 2023. Yeah, so yeah. That's 20, nice 2023, she it. thinks a million a coin in 2023. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's it's people that already have a yeah. predisposition to be optimistic towards Bitcoin are going to hear that and be like, oh, my God, there's such an opportunity to invest in some of these companies. Um, so I just consider that like that's not when you're when you're forecasting out that far. That's not even a forecast. That's just the marketing slogan. Everyone's it's a marketing. It, that's all it is. And it's, yeah. you know, I mean, based on, you know, nothing but marketing, really. Yeah. So I'm going to say it, Bitcoin will be higher by year. Oh, oh so what's your rationale? I flipped a coin. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, good. that's probably, I actually yeah. think that Ryan's probably got the best. Yeah. Well yeah. done. I like, that. I like that a lot. It's true. Yeah. So that'll work for me. All right. Uh, in this, in, in the same vein as my uh, last prediction about M&A activity, this, this is not really a prediction, just a, like an add on to that. I would say that M&A activity should be opportune in the U S markets. Some of the pandemic stars, may face bids after recent share price collapses. Um, some will still need to decline further to become really attractive, but you know, names maybe like Pinterest, Peloton uh, may face some you know, M&A activity, at least rumors for sure around them, I would say. I- I'm not sure if even Zoom could, con- if it continues to decline at some point, maybe it becomes a name that people look at. But again, many need to still fall to be truly attractive. But there are going to be some sharks, some smart money start to come in to some names that actually do have cash flow and earnings to, uh, to start looking at those. Probably some names that you heard a lot about during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any more, Brennan? Um, just about my golf game this summer. Uh, yeah, well, I have one about you. I mean, I'm not going to make any more girlfriend predictions about you. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Brennan I mean, I know the girlfriend. It's a win. I know yeah. it's true. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm just gonna say, I not think everything Brennan lasts will... for love, for, forever, right? Like you just you you had your experience. You moved on. <laughs> Brennan moved on. Brennan, my prediction is Brennan will end up taking his sister to the prom this year. That's, <laughs> prom. that's my prediction. <laughs> yeah. What prom? <laughs> High school. Well, or... oh yes. Well, didn't you you missed your prom due to COVID, didn't you? Oh yes, this is technically true. That uh, no, it was it, it was actually in 2012 that I had a prom, and it, there was actually a huge storm. Back in the so day, people why, used to do that. That's why I missed my prom, but I actually did. Uh, we it got canceled because there was a huge storm in in my hometown anyways so um and your your hometown is prince albert saskatchewan you usually say pa 
I know, but I mean, everyone else. We can get comments on if 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 he says PA, if Brennan says PA, does anyone know what he's talking about? I mean, comment on across that. Canada, Somebody they probably would have, but everyone in Saskatchewan, I it's think, would have. Um, but yeah, just my last prediction, and I'm going to try and hold myself to this because I got uh, a golf tech lesson uh, for Christmas for my parents. So they're going to analyze my swing and whatnot, which is pretty nice. Thank you, mom and dad. Uh, but this summer, my golf game is going to improve and I'm going to break my 2022 summer record game of 83 on the course behind my house. I mean, the real goal is to crack into the 70s, which I've only done a few times in my life. Um, but we'll see if I can improve on that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> nice. All right, I got. We more. all care about your golf game, and so do the listeners. Well, so I just want to hold myself really accountable to, on. to the listeners. Just like when it was, you know, I put out that I was writing the second level CFA. You know, I failed it miserably. I, you know, had I thought to tell we were everybody. never bringing that up again. It, it is what it is. Coming back. Yeah, I did end up passing it though eventually, but. I'll make a final prediction on the Canucks. They will go on a stupid run <laughs> right now after a abysmal start to the year, and it will make it so management believes they are actually somewhat of a good team. They will not trade the players they should at the deadline, and the Canucks will again either squeak into eighth place or just miss the playoffs, and I will shoot the <laughs> owner if that actually happens let's not um no yeah, yeah. Kidding, but yeah it, it'll just be rinse and repeat from what it's been over the past 10 years and Vancouver uh, will be trying to pull on the wrong road going on so that's, that'll be fun yay all right any other final a, predictions yeah i got a couple more okay good, um, good, good. one one on aaron's uh my my, my background funding from ftx i'm actually going to say fbf is going to get convicted and sentenced to 20 or more years. I am going to say they are not going to give him a slap on the wrist because they've already, uh, uh, his uh, co-conspirators, I guess you could call them, uh, ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison and uh, co-founder Gary Wang have already pleaded guilty. They haven't been sentenced, but they pleaded guilty uh, about, uh, I think, a week ago or so. And I think they're going to actually throw the book at him. I, I think he's going to get the full sentence. So it's 20 to life is what most... People with an actual background in law, I have no idea. I'm trusting them and saying he can actually face life in prison for this one. But I'm saying he is going to get a high sentence, at least into respect what they can put on him. Yeah. And then I, I do have another prediction, but if you want to comment on this one. Well, I, I was just going to say that a lot of people might be a little confused because they hear a lot of these abbreviations, FTX, SPF. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, it's really, I, I'll, like I'll admit, I was confused about mm -hmm. it. So just for clarification, FTX is the company. This is the crypto exchange. Um, SBF is the founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. So that's the abbreviation mm -hmm. of his name. People refer to him as SBF. Um, the company is is FTX. So <laughs> just so that everybody knows there. One of, one of the things about um, and Aaron, SBF. what is AOC? Can you tell us what AOC is, please? Yeah, Okay. Um, <laughs> it's and then we'll talk about GSP and, you know, everybody who's got like these abbreviated names can just go with the, with the, or the hyphen names can go with the initials. It's really cool. Makes them sound really cool when they're not being charged with fraud. Um, but you know, one of the things about SBF Sam Bankman Freed is that he went on a huge campaign when all of this started, essentially doing like endless interviews, trying to explain himself, talking about what happened, um, 
I, I guess to try and rebuild this credibility, I'm not really sure why. That probably wasn't a great decision from a legal perspective because there's a ton of uh, content with him replying to like accusations and all sorts of different things um, that are no doubt that's going to be brought up if he says anything that incriminates himself um, in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, even just for perjury uh, perspective, then that's going to come up in court now that he's actually being charged. And, um, you know, generally, I would say that most lawyers would say if there's a good chance you're being charged with a crime, don't go out on a media tour because you can always say something that you don't intend to say. And I do know there have been some um, interviewers that I follow that claim I haven't watched the interviews myself, but they claim that they, you know, tricked him inadvertently maybe into like admitting things that he probably shouldn't have admitted. Maybe that's part of the reason why he actually ended up being charged. But anyways, that'll be interesting to see what happens. I'll be also interested to hear O'Leary's mm-hmm. perspective and whether or not he would still back, back SBF if FB, SBF is in a federal prison. Yeah, well, that's not the first well, time we've seen uh, the uh, what what's his name? Um, the fr- farmer bro, Martin. Spelling. Thank you. He, yeah, he, he was most he was, hated man in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. He's out, he's out now. He's out of jail. Yeah, hey. he is out. He he got good. Uh, time and uh he's out so and he, i think he got like seven years but served like five or something like that yeah. he's out so there's your last big white collar case uh so we'll see if it's more severe than that but i'll go into my next prediction which is an actual more serious prediction i guess as far as forecasting can go uh chinese equities are going to continue to fall both the mainland and the adrs as well as any other uh depository receipt so adrs which effectively when you're buying these chinese companies on normally the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ or something like that, you're actually just getting a receipt saying, I can trade this share for this, but it's dubious to say the least for how some of these functions we saw in the fallout of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. The, a lot of the Russian depository receipts that traded on the London Exchange just got delisted, even though the company had value, they didn't. So I would not be shocked if we saw something like that happening to the depositors receipts, but even past that, the general underlying companies themselves are going to do worse because we're seeing now the Chinese economy probably in the weakest state it's ever been in the recent 30 or so years that it's ever been. And they're actually facing their, lots of times their weak numbers to say the least, their accountability, their accounting standards as a whole are weak there, as well as their regulations are, I'm just going to say corrupt. Uh, they'll probably have if you get picked up by some of the diehard CCP followers. You're, I'm going to get uh, harassed quite a bit, but that, that one will be fun. I don't think but, we have many of them on the no, podcast, no, so. no, no, no. You haven't seen that's ninety the, percent of our there, listener there base. Although, although there was there, there was articles yeah. about how the Communist Party has secret police stations yes. in Canada in Vancouver. So you know, but, good thing uh, I'm not. Oh, uh, we're going to Vancouver next month. Aren't we? So I'll, I'll be so I'll be arrested next month. That's I think that's more of a threat. I think that's more of a threat to uh, China, <laughs> Chinese nationalists over here and people who have found oh, yeah, back yeah. in China. But yeah, but I, I, I'll, I'll continue. I, I think uh, with their underlying hidden like metrics, they're quite often they're really inflated for what they are actually are. I think we're going to see what the Warren Buffett. When the tide comes out, we're going to see who's swimming naked. I think there's a lot of Chinese companies swimming naked right now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'll just say just inter not specific. I, I mean, I agree. And, and there's a lot of reasons why I think that it's just extremely risky to invest in a company that's that's based in China or, or largely operates in China, just given the structure of how their economic system works, regulatory system. But there is a really interesting uh, research report that came out that talked about how um, China um, almost certainly has been overstating its economic growth. And that this is a very common thing in autocratic countries um, because you basically, the government can just report whatever figures they want. And um, so the, the, the result of this would be, or the implication would be that the that Chinese economy is actually much smaller than what um, is reported. Uh, and the growth has been much lower. So there's a lot of analytics that was, that was provided in the research report. Maybe we could do a segment on it um, in early 2023, but I found it quite interesting how they were, able to compare, you know, um, democratic countries to autocratic countries, and they were able to, you know, find some patterns that indicated that it was, it's very common across autocratic countries to vastly overstate um, the, the strength of your economic indicators and the size of your economy. So uh, I could definitely see that being the case. Now, the question is, I think that the report said that the, the Chinese economy could be up to 30% smaller than what they actually report. That would be a massive difference. I don't know if it's quite that much, but I could certainly see it being a non-trivial amount. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something to keep our eye on during 2023. There's going to be a, a great deal of things to look at during the course of this year. Um, I think we're going to, at some point, you know, some of the markets areas may get worse before they get better, but I believe in 2023, there will be some tremendous buying opportunities. Uh, we're seeing you know, when we're doing research on some of the Canadian cash rich companies, there are companies with like 40, 50% of their cash value in or their value market cap in cash. And, um, you know, they're profitable businesses. Uh, these are the type of companies that either eventually get recognized by the market or get acquired. And we expect to see that over the course of this year. So there are some opportunities certainly there. Any final closing comments here? No more predictions? No more uh, thoughts? No. No, nope. like let's just look forward to the new year. Yeah. Make it a good year. Thank all of our listeners for listening. Sorry, did you have something? Yeah, yeah, got one one quick one. Okay. Brendan is okay, going to yeah, be no over 50% correct. That that's my that's my take on him. He's going to do a lot better this year. Thanks, I believe in Saskatchewan. I there we go. Thanks, Brad. Negative 100% correct. Or between <laughs> okay. negative 100 and 100, somewhere in that range. Yes, amazing. I guess that's we'll quite see the range. Year. Yeah. Yep. All Thank right. all of our listeners for listening all year. We'll have new interviews, management interviews coming in the new year. We got good feedback on the last one. Um, and we'd like to keep your questions and comments coming in for our Your Stock, Our Takes. We'll take a look at any stock in North America. Uh, keep your questions coming in. We'll have some debates coming up in the new year. So if you want us to debate a stock or two stocks in, in, two, in the similar industries against each other, let us know. Keep rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Smash that subscribe button on YouTube. And as always, I'm going to wish you profitable investing and this time a happy new year and a profitable 2023 to all. Great. Thank you, everyone. Happy new year. Thanks, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Thanks, everyone. And happy new year. <laughs>